0: Welcome to the Executive Coach for Moms podcast, where we support women who are attempting to find balance and joy while simultaneously leading people at work and at home. I'm your host, Leanna Lasky-McGrath, former tech exec turned full-time mom, recovering perfectionist and workaholic, and certified executive coach. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm sharing a conversation I had with Dr. Miranda Walachowski, Miranda does it all. Literally. She runs her own business, she's a mom of 5, she's a professor, a devoted wife and woman of faith and a competitive power lifter. And I think what strikes me most is that she's also an extremely joyful person. She does all of this and really balances it while actually enjoying her experience. I think that's really been my goal for myself. And also a huge goal that I have for this podcast is really to help women who are doing all the things and who are successful on paper also feel successful in their own lives. You heard that play out in my coaching conversation last week with Allie. And that's what I do all the time in my coaching business because so many women who are really successful or appear really successful end up feeling like they're not at all. And so I can relate to that because when I was running a company full time and trying to be a mom for my baby, do everything else, I was just feeling like I was so successful on paper and to the outside world But on the inside, I didn't feel happy. I was constantly beating myself up and I just wasn't enjoying my overall life. Of course, I had happy days, but overall, I wasn't feeling good about what I was doing. But I think the reality is, is that we have this one life to live and we get to decide for ourselves how we want to live it. We get to decide whether we're going to continue making life easier for everyone around us while we suffer or if we're going to take the reins of our own lives and ensure that we're enjoying it too. At the end of the day, that power lies in our hands. And what I love about this conversation with Miranda is that she has found a way to do so many things while still being joyful and enjoying the ride. She's extremely successful on paper and she has a positive impact on everyone around her. And she's also incredibly diligent about prioritizing her own needs. She shares how it hasn't always been this easy for her, but she also shares a lot of the different components that allow her to find joy while getting everything done. So if you're struggling from overwhelm, from all of your many responsibilities, I really hope that this conversation inspires you and gives you hope and demonstrates the possibilities. I know it was incredibly inspiring for me as I continue to work toward creating more balance and joy in my life. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Today, I have a very special guest, Miranda Walachowski. So I'm very excited to have Miranda here. She's a fellow coach, and she's an educator and a mom, and I am so excited for real to hear from her today. So Miranda, can you introduce yourself to everyone listening?
1: Yes. So I'm Miranda Walachowski, and I am a professor at Texas A&M University in the Department of Educational Psychology. In 2015, I met coaching and absolutely fell in love with that as a support modality. So I was searching for ways of how do you support and develop people without just giving them more information and more to do. And during that process of exploring, I landed on coaching and it just really resonated with me. I remember the first time I saw our instructor deliver a coaching engagement or coaching session, I just felt like that's what I'm meant to do in the world, like all mm-hmm. of my skills and life experience and interest and values and everything just kind of culminated in that moment. And I said, I want to be able to do that for others in the world. And so that's how the professor becomes a leadership executive team coach in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, I am married. We have five children ranging from age 25 to age 10. And so the youngest just turned 10 this month, and apparently it was a big pivotal moment to no longer be in single digits. So apparently Mm. her siblings would tease her about being in single digits, and so now (laughs) being in double digits is a thing. I had no idea. And then I also have my own coaching practice, and it is called Human Architects. And so I had my own practice, new coaching and consulting, where I worked with executives, leaders, and, and their teams. And so through human architecting, I have partnered with someone so that we could scale that and be able to serve more teams and more groups because it's time, like just based on what we're seeing in society, like the the world needs more and, and we're hoping we can serve in a bigger way. And then on my free time, I am a competitive power lifter. And so that is a very special time for me. And despite all the busyness, I carve out that time. I try to protect that time and just remind myself that it gives me so much more than it takes. And that's about it. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love how you're like, I'm a professor and also a mother and a wife and I have my own coaching practice. <laughs> oh, and also I'm a power lifter in my great in my yeah. time. How do you do it all? You probably get that question a lot. How do you manage it all and balance it all and also kind
1: of remain joyful and enjoy it with everything going on? Yeah, so I often say that um, one of my biggest complaints is that God made life interesting because I do... (laughs) find myself going down many rabbit holes of interest Mm. of like, oh, if only I had the time, I I would do this. Like I took up cello lessons and I took up tennis at one point, et cetera. So just just exploring and engaging. But I think the way to do it all is not to do it all at once and not to do Mm. it all well and not to do it all to its fullest extent. And mm-hmm. so just kind of where, what is one state of life and then being able to make adjustments for that and, and then doing some things that are just good enough. And it's really about questioning self of what really matters in this and then just pursuing that and giving oneself grace. So for example, obviously I can't parent to the degree that a full-time parent would and that's just a reality. And so then what matters in my parenting instead of always beating myself up and wondering am i doing enough what am i not doing not comparing myself to others i just go to the source and i check in with my children like how are you doing what is something that if i did differently would help you feel more loved would help life be easier for you or whatever and the things i ask for are so simple and mm-hmm. so it's easy for me to deliver on that and then just to trust you know that as long as i'm reflecting and trying to improve as a parent and I'm checking in with the source, then I need to trust that that's working. And so the same resonates in all other aspects of life. So in marriage, um, in business, also asking myself, like, what is it that I should be doing? What is going to have the greatest return? What is the greatest need that we need to do? And how could the other things kind of take a second place or third place or whatever, and just drive for that for now and be at peace Mm. that that is going to know, be good enough. And so again, you're checking in and you're reflecting Um, the same thing in my lifting, you know, so what, what do I need to do? Obviously I would love to train more. I train four days a week and just have peace with that. Like I'm older, I need the recovery time. I can focus in the time that I'm there, not compare myself to the type of training that others might be doing that are younger than I am. And so I think it's just that mindful approach to it all of Mm -hmm what would it mean to be good at this or good enough finding out what that is and then just driving that and letting go of all the rest of the chatter mm-hmm. you know that tells you it's not enough or you're not good enough mm-hmm. etc that's so
0: interesting because i think many of the women i coach there's almost this feeling of being not enough and that is measured by not being able to do everything to the fullest extent, especially because I think parenting is added to our lives at some point in our lives, right? And it, it's not like integrated into how we work and how we live our lives from the early days of our adulthood necessarily, right? Especially with kids a little bit later. And so it's like, how do I do everything I was doing before? And now I want to do everything that this new thing entails. and to its fullest extent, I guess what I'm curious about is it sounds like you have a really good kind of system of prioritizing and making sure that you're focusing on the highest impact activities in each, in each different aspect of your life and each different thing that's important to you. But how do you let go of that and still feel okay about your contribution, still feel good about it? Mm
1: -hmm. I I think at the end, um, we're all going to have regrets about something. Mm And so it's choosing what I'm okay to regret and what I'm not okay to regret. Um, And so just accepting that that's part of life. Mm -hmm. I often say like, I wish there were multiple me's because I know exactly how I deploy them every day. (laughs) Um, But there isn't, there's just one. And so just reminding myself, like, you know, you get to live this very rich life Mm -hmm. um, and get to engage in so many different pieces. And so you can expend your energy you know, criticizing that, et cetera, or you can expend your energy and just engaging with it. And regrets are going to be a part of it of, I could have done that better. I could have done that differently. And so just accepting that, like, I don't think anyone is exonerated from that because everything Mm -hmm. is a choice. Um, Whenever you engage in something, you're saying no to several other things. So it's just part of life. And so just deciding what am I willing to not regret what am I okay to end up regretting? Mm. I'm not saying that I live by that daily and make all decisions by that. If I could, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. But when life is going well, it's usually because I'm in alignment with that. And when I get off course, it's usually because I'm not aligned with that.
0: Mm. What Do you have any suggestions or tips or just things that you do when you do find yourself out of alignment with that? Like what brings
1: you back? It's um, really my core values. And Mm. so that's something that we learned about through coaching, Mm -hmm. like what are our core values? And I always thought that that sounded kind of, I don't know, frivolous or woo-woo. And I thought Mm. like, you know, my executives and leaders are not going to want to go in that space of core Mm -hmm. values. But it's actually almost how I start every coaching engagement because those values are driving who you are, who resonates with you, who maybe you don't align with, uh, when you feel in alignment, when an environment's working well for you and when it's not. And so just going back to those and being able to make decisions on what needs to happen next Mm -hmm. based on those. So like my top one is, and it makes it easy because it's growth. So that's my top core value. And so being able to ask myself in this moment, uh, what is going to provide that opportunity to grow? And and when I'm not feeling in alignment, it's when I'm stagnant and I don't feel like I have something to look forward to or a challenge or growth. And so then it's like, okay, how do you invite that in? Another thing is just love. And so if I'm getting so busy that I don't feel like I'm giving love um, to the people that matter most, and then that definition of what love is, you know, varies from what it looks like with my husband and then my children and students and then clients. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not there, then something's missing. It's usually having to take care of myself in some way Mm -hmm. that I'm overextending myself, not sleeping enough maybe um, even my husband knows. So I was off from training last week. And so we were discussing, like my coach said, I couldn't scale back or I could completely take the time off. And he said, well, you know, we'd like to have a, a pleasant week. So maybe you don't want to go completely off <laughs> and still make time to go to the gym. And so it's like the family knows like, oh no, don't take any time off. And so there's been times where I feel like that's my respite or my escape, mm. and. Maybe on a Saturday, I'll just stay there longer mm. and then just do my mobility and my cool down and warm up and just really enjoy and tell myself, like, you've earned being in this space. Not that you have to, but you've earned it. And not only that, it's an investment for your future. And look what you get to do. Look at how you get to play as an adult, because mm. I consider that play. And so that kind of redirects me. Mm. And then I'm able to re-engage in life. So it's just a constant um, assessment and conversation with that inner self and again prioritizing and using core values as a barometer for that. Yeah,
0: and it sounds like you also kind of have people around you who are helping to support you and and so it's not that you have to lean on yourself 100% and make sure that you are staying in alignment but you also have people who are helping you along,
1: along that way as well. Oh my goodness, yes. That's my wealth. Mm-hmm are my relationships and the the people that I have. So I have a spiritual coach. Every now and then, I engage with a coach as well for personal development or professional development. I have my powerlifting coach and then my family in different ways. My father is so immensely helpful. So it just kind of pulls me Mm -hmm. out of minds whenever I get into something, whether it's transportation or helping out with the children in some way and so it's quite mm-hmm. a community that i get to leverage and i do acknowledge you know the strength that is there because of that so there's no way that i would be able to do this without that uh, my business partner as well like if i'm inundated or in a bad space and it's like i need to take you know this afternoon off or whatever gracefully she just picks it up And so I think that's key, those relationships, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And leveraging in in any way and not being afraid. And when I'm coaching individuals, they often will not seek for help because they don't want to impose on others. And so my reframe on that is when I have felt the happiest in life, most fulfilled is when I've been giving of myself, either you know, in my energy or my time or my skill sets or wisdom or whatever, or just even presence to someone. I don't know that anything beats that feeling. And so when we don't ask for others for help, we're denying them of that opportunity to feel as mm. fulfilled as we feel when we are giving them. Yeah. And so obviously I'm mindful and is this the right time and quite aligning what I want to ask of them from what comes natural to them. So like even Mm -hmm. one of my daughters, um, she's 11. uh, Sometimes I will recruit her to help me track things. So I track things like my protein intake, my sleep, um, how many hours I've worked and et cetera. And I wouldn't ask the other children to do that because they wouldn't like to, but she loves it. Mm. And so she'll come in in the evening and let's do your tracking, mom. How did you do on these different (laughs) uh, metrics? And she records it for me and things like that. So it's small, but it's huge because I know I'm going to meet with her, and she's my accountability buddy, and she enjoys it. And I want to also model that I don't have to be perfect because she'll even say, like, "Mom, you hit this metric three days in a row, like got to bed on time, and your reading is still not coming along, but that's okay. You, you'll get there." You know? <laughs> so it's uh, so it's modeling that you know not beating yourself up, but also pushing yourself. Yeah, you know, and so kind of that nice balance, and and so she's seeing me wrestle. With that, like, okay, my mom struggles with that. Um, mm-hmm. And she just kind of keeps going, you know, picks up the next day and tries better. So I think there's just so much in there that we learn from each other yeah. as we're engaging and supporting each other.
0: Yeah, I love so much about what you're saying here because it seems like part of the way that you're able to do all of the things that you want to do in your life is that you are not afraid to ask for help. You actually look at it as that it's mutually beneficial, it's helping you and the other person, which I love that reframe, because I think so many people are afraid to ask for help or think they're imposing. And if you have these different areas of your life, it's like you're hitting so many of them with one activity, right? With one action. So... In the example with your daughter, not only are you meeting your needs for your powerlifting and your health and your nutrition, but you're also engaging with her. You're also kind of taking a load off of you a little bit. You're modeling for her. It's like so many things. So whenever you talked about the high impact activities earlier, I think that's a great example of where like one activity, one expulsion of your energy can hit so many different areas and have such a high impact.
1: Exactly. And and I think we're all doing that, but I don't think we acknowledge that. Mm. And, and that's where the beating self up is that we don't see that. We see them as very isolated activities, and then we're constantly critiquing. So if you're critiquing, the part of the brain that's engaged in that is not going to allow the creative and the problem-solving aspect and the energy to be there for the other. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, again, trusting that if I'm evaluating, I'm going to the source, I'm adjusting, that's enough. Mm. You know, I'm not a robot, I'm a human. And even trusting that your struggles in themselves could be good lessons for others or bring about a greater good. Mm. And so I think when you start to embrace that, it just allows you to relax into life Mm -hmm. um, and being able to be more organic and responsive to life instead of trying to drive with kind of clenched fists and perhaps driving in the wrong direction. Yeah. Well, I'm curious
0: too. I know you had a milestone birthday this year. Yes. And so as did I, but a different one. And so (laughs) I guess I'm curious, you know, as you look back, as you've entered a new decade and ended another one, is this something that you've brought along all along the way, or do you think this is something that has developed more, like this perspective has developed over time? What, when did that come along and did you struggle with different things maybe 10 mm. years ago or 20 years ago
1: at different decades or different points in your life? That's a great question. I think I was blessed with just having a disposition for this, just kind of this kind of mindset. Mm. And and I think much of it comes from just my what my father modeled So that's definitely been there. And so that's definitely an advantage and makes it easier for me to be able to navigate in this direction. But no, I have not been at this point where I am. And so turning 50 does come with some years of uh, wisdom. So you have all your tacit knowledge and then your discipline Mm. knowledge and life experiences, and you get to merge all of those and just kind of look back and be able to see things with more clarity so, definitely the aging um, has helped in that time because it just gives you more years to be able to experience things and to see the experiences of others uh, for sure. So, I think before mm-hmm. that, it was more of that element of I did, I remember I struggled quite deeply. And I think it was when I was finishing my dissertation and I was, you know, in that space of how am I doing as a mother and um, as a faculty member. So I was inst- an instructional faculty then or graduate assistant. So those roles, lecturer and graduate assistant, mm-hmm. and then also working on my dissertation and all of those things. And I do remember there were times where it just felt overwhelming and I felt that I was not being successful mm-hmm. in all of those areas. And at one point it even led to my having to get on anxiety medication. You know, it, it affected mm-hmm. me biologically. I could feel my heart racing And Hmm. I just didn't feel like I could grasp control over things. And so I went on the anxiety medication for a period of time. I don't remember what it was, maybe a year, year and a half. And during that period of time, I tried to figure out like, how do we become anti-fragile? So this is a very difficult period of time, having to, even though I was working part-time at the university, but working part-time, being a mom, Um, by then I had my second child and trying to finish a dissertation. And so if I can go beyond just surviving this phase and actually building something good here and becoming better because of this experience, then I'm going to be equipped for any further challenges because life is not going to get any easier. People always think Mm -hmm. it is, but it doesn't (laughs) uh, or rarely does. And so then Mm -hmm. I started working on things Mm -hmm. that did help me. And that was the mindset. And that was around that time, learning about coaching helped immensely. Spiritual growth helped immensely. And then taking care of my body, I think, is absolutely unlocked mm. quite a bit. So, all of those things kind of coalescing allowed me to get off the anxiety medication and not have to need that anymore, you know, because of all the coping mechanisms that mm. I now have. So, I did hit that nadir at one point. So I know that struggle Mm -hmm. and I'm glad I was able to get out of that through multiple things.
0: I think it's really interesting to hear about your experience there because you talked about your disposition being a huge asset. And so some people might think, I just don't have that disposition. So therefore I'll never be able to have this mindset. But the fact that you have experienced anxiety, that you've gone through that and that you found ways to cope is I think really inspiring to others who are experiencing that anxiety or feeling like they're not enough and maybe there's some hope for them that they can get to this place of finding more peace and joy. Right, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, one of the things that I think is so interesting about you and your story, when we met in 2017, you were having your own coaching business and I think around that time, your husband had transitioned into full-time parenthood for your five children. And I just remember thinking it was such an interesting dynamic and I loved hearing about it. So can you just talk a little bit more about that dynamic, how it came to be and kind of how it works for you and your family?
1: Yeah. So I think that was all when we're in coach training, that's the fun part of being in coach Mm -hmm. training that you get to bring all of your issues and have multiple people (laughs) coach you. So I think during 2017, so I went through IPEC coach training in 2015, and then I Mm -hmm. loved it so much that I thought there was an opportunity to do Envision coach training. And I said, I'm going to go do it. So you don't necessarily have to go to two schools, but I'd even Mm -hmm. go to a third if there were the opportunity. (laughs) Um, Well, actually, I teach classes now. So there's your Mm 3rd (laughs) Um, so at that time, yeah, so it was, we were in 2017 and my husband uh, was working in a nonprofit and they ended up consolidating. And so centralizing things and his office, he was like the business manager there and that role was done away with. And so Hmm. he comes home one day and he shares that news with us that this had happened and that's exact same day. I had been operating my business, but I hadn't formalized things through the LLC process. and we our, my binder came in that day. So my seal and my binder. And I thought, well, how interesting is this coincidence? Is mm-hmm. this kind of indication of something yet to come that these things kind of coincide? Yeah. And so this was during the summer. And we noticed that a lot of the stress just went down because he was around. And I think a lot of things were falling on my shoulders because I had more flexibility in my work Mm. as well. And he was happier. The children were happier. I was happier. Financial stress was off the roof, you know. So (laughs) because of that, it's like, oh, what are we going to do with one income and a pretty large family? But on the other hand, it was complete bliss. And, Mm. And so then I asked him, should we give this a try? And have you, you know, help with the business some and just see, you know, manage our budget better, et cetera, and see what would be possible. And so in that moment, I felt like my practice was an infant um, and I was asking it to ride a bike, like really accelerating its (laughs) growth of like, now you've got Mm -hmm. to deliver, you know, sorry, you're in diapers, but you've got to start pedaling this bike and deliver and so it did take time, but it was mm-hmm. responding, which was the neat thing to see. It just kind of grew in proportion to what we needed at the time. Mm. Yes, there were many challenges along the way. Um, and it is very challenging for a marriage, I think, sometimes to approach this in an unconventional way. Mm. And for us in particular, because I tend to be traditional and have kind of a spiritual lens, traditional lens for the way that I look at things and relationships. and. I had to realize or learn that there was a difference between exchanging responsibilities, but not exchanging roles. And so Mm -hmm. whenever I felt we were exchanging roles, that's when I had discutude in my heart and I was wrestling with things and just things didn't feel right. And I resented the situation when I could step back and realize it's not the role, but the responsibilities that we could switch then there was a lot of joy that came out of mm. that and I felt very settled I felt a sense of this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing and we're creating quite an ideal situation because in my mind I had always thought of that romanticized about that idea of what would it look like to work with my husband on something mm-hmm. like ever ever since we got married and he would tell you that like I would say things like that I never imagined mm-hmm. it would happen but then <laughs> it did um But I think that was the foundation for me. And so whenever people ask about that, I challenge them to think about those two things. And so if as a female, you still want to be the woman at the end of the day, and that's important to you, and he still needs to be the man at the end of the day, and that's important to him and to you, then it's the responsibilities that need to be clearly defined and exchanged, you know, or flipped, but not the roles. And Mm -hmm. so in general, you know, relationships are You know, men tend to like to feel like they have what it takes and that they have a sense of respect. And then women, we want to feel that we are women and you could take care of us. And yes, I could do this business thing, but if I'm coming in with groceries, it's nice if somebody, if he meets me at the door and carries them, you know, those little Mm -hmm. subtle things, Mm -hmm. takes me on a date, plans the date, you know, Mm -hmm. little things like that, that still make me feel like, okay, I'm the woman in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, that's another thing that's constant. It's a constant re-examining, talking about that, because I can get in that role where I'm kind of bulldozy. And I think I have some friends of mine will describe me as as very stoic and having some very masculine tendencies, although I see myself as Mm. also feminine, but -hmm. those can surface and and drive. Mm -hmm. And and that's when it begins to kind of become a challenge. And so being able Mm -hmm. to leverage that duality in a balanced way. I think is a fun part of life and also what helps the relationship go better. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just
0: so interesting. So you've been, it's been about five or six years now that you have been fully in the business. He's part time in the business and mostly with the kids. And I'm sure there's just been so, so many opportunities to learn and grow together. And I think it's so interesting kind of how you break out the responsibilities and the roles a little bit differently and make sure that they're very clearly defined. And I'm sure it's requires a lot of communication to make it all work, I assume. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it's funny because I say I like tradition, but yet we have a very untraditional thing with a traditional flavor to it. (laughs) And so it just, it just works. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, that's what's important that it works for you. It it may or may not work for Mm -hmm. other people, you know, for somebody else, but it it works for for you and your family. And I think the other thing I love about that is that especially kind of lately, we've been seeing a lot of layoffs and, you know, that's obviously a very unfortunate thing to happen to somebody. And I think it's just so interesting how you took that and turned it into an opportunity, right? Like that unfortunate Mm -hmm. situation that you work together to make it actually really work well for your family and kind of leverage that decision that you didn't make, but that was made for you, but then turn it into an opportunity. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just love that. I think the other thing that you you talked about before is like, what regrets do you want to have? And basically that there are trade-offs of everything. And so in this situation, right, at least at first, there was a very big trade-off in terms of financial, but mm-hmm. also lots of positives with everything else. And so I think that that is also really important for us to realize as many of the listeners, myself included, tend to be perfectionists or recovering perfectionists. And so wanting to make sure that like all the boxes are checked with every decision and just recognizing that actually that doesn't always happen and maybe like the boxes mm-hmm. get checked over time right but maybe not all right away and and you talked about at the beginning of kind of
1: having it all but not
0: all at once all the time
1: right right no exactly that it definitely is and continues to be a Mm trade-off. So I often ask people like, what do you think it takes to raise five children? And they'll say, I don't know. (laughs) And then I'll say all of it, you know, because (laughs) because even if you have more, now you could take care of other things like fully funded scholarships, fully funded weddings. And if you don't have Mm -hmm. much, okay, you're at least providing for the day. So I, I don't know that at what point it's enough. And so, yes, that continues to be a trade-off for sure, you know, because it's very Mm -hmm. rare now that people will even attempt to live on one income and, and much less with a large family. And so it does, we do acknowledge that there are things like we don't take vacations, like our vacations... Are going to soccer fields almost every weekend, mm-hmm. you know, in the surrounding area, and being there at the hotel. Luckily, my girls think like that's a big deal. Um, you know, is the hotel mm-hmm. nice, and does it have a pool, that type of thing, mm-hmm. and maybe we could do something else while we're in that city. And so there are, you know, constant trade offs. But then mm-hmm. again, in the end, I realized that I feel wealthy in all other aspects of my life, and that if more money would just—I always think of it as a Mackey board or like a podcasting, you know, audio. The thing that DJs use. Mm. And if more money were here, it would just turn up the dial slightly on some things or turn down the dial slightly on other things. But it really wouldn't make that much of a difference Mm. to me or to the way that I'm living or even to my children. And so it's just being mindful of that. So, yes, I Mm -hmm. could beat myself up daily about, you know, is this enough or what's needed? Or I could say, Gosh, we're we're pretty wealthy and more money is just gonna make things a tad easier, a tad more fun, or a tad less stress. But it's not worth being beating myself up about that. And mm-hmm. because that's not the right energy that's gonna help drive business forward anyway. So again, yeah. it's a lot of examining, a lot of, you know, having those conversations with self and with others and being at peace with, yeah, I, I can't have it all exactly the way you know society or even I would want it so -hmm. what am I willing to give in order to have these other things and then really desiring I think that's the key you fall in love and you really desire the things that you do have and it makes Mm. it so much easier (laughs) yeah
0: you have talked a lot about like these conversations with self and ensuring alignment with values and things like that, as well as, you know, your powerlifting, your coaching, kind of being coached, all these different things. And I think a lot of times whenever I talk to women, especially who want to do this kind of work, they say, but I just don't feel like I have the time. Like, how do I fit in one more thing to my already, you know, I already feel overwhelmed with working and trying to raise these kids and having a relationship and, and trying to maintain other relationships and then take care of myself. And it's, it's almost like, I think a lot of times the self part becomes almost an afterthought or like at the bottom of the priority list. And it's, it sounds like for you, it's really essential and you have found a way to kind of make it part of your regular practice and priorities. So
1: how do you do that? How do you kind of make sure that you carve that time? Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. I, I think that's the critical piece and in many ways, the key that unlocks so much more. And there are moments where I do, especially when I am getting ready to compete. So during that time that I'm in meat preparation. So not in M-E-A-T, but M-E-E-T. So meat preparation or competition uh, preparation. Um, it's usually about, it starts gearing up around a 12-week process and then accelerates in terms of intensity, difficulty in the gym. And that time requires more for me. And it's a very hard time mentally anyway. Hmm. And I know in the last time that I was preparing for nationals, I did ask my husband like, I'm taking extra time at the gym because I need to recover. I need to rest. I need to get all this volume in. And I'm feeling tugged about that. Like I'm feeling guilty about that time because there's so much that we need to be doing and so many of of the other areas. And his response was like, no, just enjoy the time that you're there. Like give that to yourself because it gives you so much more. Mm. And he's absolutely right about that. Um, So normally it doesn't take that long. So when I'm in the regular part of the season or the year. It just does. So I go and I have a training session and it does so many things for me. So one, it helps me with mindset. So as a 50-year-old woman, established career, and... Established business. So now just kind of transitioning into something a little bit different, but still, you know, the foundation is there. There's not many spaces where I enter where I'm afraid, Mm. you know, of like, what's going to happen? Can I do this? And the gym does that for me, for better or for worse, but that's what it is. And so even today, like I had squats five by five and they were at a heavier weight and squats did not go well about two weeks ago. So, and I was going up in weight. And so even just before entering the gym, it was like, can I do this? And am I gonna get in that negative mindset and just spiral every now and then I have to bail. Like sometimes it just doesn't go well. I'm fatigued. We've been at soccer all weekend and I try to hit it Monday morning and it's just not there. So all of that is going on in my head and I had to constantly fight that by replacing it of just like, you know, Miranda, you can do this. You've done a lot, 60 pounds more than this, like. And reminding myself, you're strong. And even if you struggle, it doesn't mean anything. It's not a judgment of how fit or strong you are. Just execute on the work. And then focusing instead of allowing the negativity of like, oh, this feels heavy or whatever, just focus, get tight. And when you're down in the hole, just explode up. That's all you have to think about. Don't think about anything else. It's really hard to fight and suppress negative thoughts. It's much easier to Mm -hmm. replace them. So get tight, go down when you're in the hole, explode up and continuously... And all through the five sets, I was fighting with myself mentally, you know, and and mm. winning this time. So mm-hmm. I don't always get to win, but this time I got to win. Mm-hmm. And so then that translates into so much in terms of life and business. You know, I leave the gym like I'm ready to go. Whatever challenge is ahead of me, I can do it, you know. And so mm-hmm. I don't know that I could have that outside of my prayer time, you know, at the chapel. I do that once a week for an hour. I don't know that I could have that anywhere else. Mm. Not only that, it's an investment in self. So as we age, especially as we get into our 40s, we're losing about 10% of muscle mass every decade. And that muscle mass equates to if I get in an accident, how quickly or how well can I recover if I Mm. fall ill? Your muscle is your investment, your revenue that you could draw from. To be able to Mm. recover, your muscle equates to your independence. Obviously, you don't have to have a ton of muscle, but you have to have adequate muscle so you don't go into sarcopenia, which is the decaying and the wasting away of muscle. And so, the more muscle you have, the more independent you're going to be in your 80s and 90s. Mm. And so, realizing that this is an investment, and I'm already seeing the payoff of it. I often get comments from people that they're quite surprised at my age and just, Last week I was at the university and somebody was asking me, several people will say this, like, how do you age in reverse? Like every time I see <laughs> you, it looks like you're aging in reverse. And I say, well, it's a couple of things. I think it's the gym. And I really do believe mm-hmm. it's the fountain of youth. And then just being joyful, like, you know, mm-hmm. just being joyful in mm-hmm. life. And and that helps. So not only that, but the powerlifting helps me set boundaries on everything else. And I think that is key because I would not be here without those boundaries. Mm -hmm. So when I had the anxiety, I got to the point where I would go get a dish out to eat something. And I felt like I don't even have time to close the cabinet. Mm -hmm. It was getting pretty wild. Like I would not even close Mm -hmm. the cupboard or the cabinet. I just felt like I was just spinning, like just rushing and everything else. And one of the things that powerlifting has done for me is it set boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like Miranda, no matter what, even if a meeting is happening at lunchtime, you will eat lunch during the meeting if a work isn't done and it's bedtime, you will go to bed. And so if it's time to hydrate, no matter what you're doing, teaching class, you're like, I never leave. My bottle is with me all the time. (laughs) And so those type of things, it has helped me set very healthy boundaries. While I'm at the gym, I don't look at anybody's emails or text messages. Like I just won't respond. Obviously, if it's my family or an emergency, but other than that, it's like, boundaries. Like I'm here, I'm focused Mm -hmm. on what I'm doing so that I could be safe and enjoy this space. And I think that's been very powerful Mm. because I don't think that we give ourselves permission or even know how to set boundaries. And so setting those boundaries has just allowed so many other little mini boundaries that are so appropriate And serve a good purpose to be set up more easily. Mm -hmm. And I could not be here without that. And I could not have done that on my own of just saying, oh, I need to set healthy boundaries. It took me falling in love with something that just forced the boundaries to be there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I do think it's so important and
0: something that we just don't often do, right? We just don't often, like you said, give ourselves permission to prioritize ourselves and then to set those boundaries. But I think The more examples that we can see, like you, of people who are doing so many things and (laughs) who are joyful about it all, right? Who are not like constantly stressed and anxious and, you know, just trying to kind of charge through life and get it all done, but actually enjoying the ride, so to say. I think that that's so inspirational because I think Mm -hmm. it encourages other people to also say, Hmm, what if I step back and took a little bit of time for myself? What if I exercised more than I do right now? If I'm, you know, if I'm not currently prioritizing that, what if I spent time in coaching, spent time in self-reflection and really clarifying my values? Like you said, that feels frivolous at the beginning, but once you start to do it, and you start to see the benefits of all of that, of really spending time with oneself and investing in oneself and where how it pays off in so many areas of our lives, then it's almost like you can't stop. You don't want to
1: stop, right? (laughs) Right. Yes. Once you see Mm -hmm. the evidence and the return on investment, it's just like, there's no way. Then it becomes like, may always have the the grace and the blessing to be able to continue to do this yes. because you know it gives you so much and that's the gratitude I feel when I'm in the gym it's often like thank you God for one more day that I'm able to, mm-hmm. to do this because again it just gives so much back
0: yeah
1: it absolutely does and I often joke that I will give clients discounts when they come on if they're willing to go and hire a personal trainer and hit the gym because their ability to accomplish their goals is going to be exponentially increased by adding mm. that. And I've seen that with clients. I don't push it or anything, but they become with curiosity. So they learn, you know, that I'm a competitive powerlifter. They feel it's unusual. They get curious. Mm-hmm. They start asking questions and why. And then when I share that, they're like, oh, well, I'm thinking I might be open to that. And I'm like, really you are? And, and so just, I get so excited. <laughs> And then they Hmm. engage and then they come back and they say, I know it sounds cliche-ish, but yes, it's so life-changing and it just allows me to show up in all aspects of my life in a more powerful way. And I just celebrate that. Hmm. But yes, I always kind of, in a quippy way, say, you you know, you get a discount if you start exercising as you start executive (laughs) or leadership coaching, because you're just going to win at everything. (laughs) So,
0: yeah, that's such a great point. And I think both are so important, the physical and the mental emotional, right? right? That we focus on both. Yeah. Well, I have learned so much from this conversation and I think that everyone listening as well, there's so much to be learned here. And also, like I said, just... I think it's so inspirational to see people, especially women who are enjoying their lives and accomplishing the things that they want to and just like living life on their own terms, right? In the, in the way that works best for them and their families. So thank you for being that example. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your wisdom with us. And I know so many people are gonna benefit from it. Is there anything else that you would want to share
1: with listeners before we sign off? I think it's just the idea of be careful of the conversations that you say, you know, have with yourself because you're listening. Mm. And so just being mindful of what are the words that I use, the phrases, how do I reframe things so that they serve me better? Um, If you get good at having those conversations with self, it just allows so much else to open up in your life. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the big thing and the thing I'd like to encourage people to be mindful of. Like what's that conversation with self sound like?
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Miranda. and Thanks so much to everyone for tuning in and we'll see you all next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Executive Coach for Moms podcast. Please like, subscribe, or follow the show so you'll be notified when the next episode is available. I hope you'll join me again next time. Take care.